It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to the Don Smith Show, where it's okay to be a conservative. And now here's your host, Don Smith. Hey, thank you, Brad Smith, for that great introduction. And thanks to each and every one of you for tuning in today for another Don Smith Show, where it's always okay to be a conservative. Hey, great lineup on the program. This is, of course, our last show of 2019. I uh, hope you all have a look forward to a great new year, and uh, we'll, of course, be back in 2020. But wanted to go through some of the best interviews we had. Of course, Judge Janine Pirro never disappoints. Uh, fantastic time sitting down with her. Also, Molly Hemingway was an uh, excellent interview about the Justice Kavanaugh situation, which I think was one of the top stories of 2019. Uh, really shows how far that the left was willing to go to, well, destroy somebody's life. So Molly Hemingway, Judge Janine Pirro, and of course, my good friend, he will be here live. He is the editor of peoplespunditdaily.com. His name is Richard Barris. So a lot of news to cover, um, even, even in the holidays. <laughs> in these times of President Trump have uh, been action packs full of news. So uh, just really fascinating week as well. So hope you had a great Christmas. Hope you're going to have a safe and happy new year. A lot of news to cover here. We've got three great interviews, just a little bit of time to do it. Hey, you know what time it is. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get ready to rumble! And rumble we will. A lot of great news here uh, this week, some disturbing news as always. Um, you know, this is the thing. Under President Trump, this is not going to change. We are going to be just as busy in 2020 as we were in 2019, as we were in 2018 and 2017. So the Trump effect is in uh, full swing and uh, not looking to slow down anytime. You know, this is and this is the thing, because the guy dominates the news. I mean, he just does. He this is why the media hates him as much as they do, because he has this way of just dominating everything. So it's under his terms. This is the first time we've had a Republican president who it was his terms. He always gets to control the terms, and that includes the media. And that's, again, why the media hates him. But really, if you look at it, look at from the beginning of this year, the things that we heard from the media was this is going to be a really bad year. Let's not forget this right there. We had a recession coming. Boy, it was just going to be horrible. But if you actually look at things, and this is the problem they have. Because people do look at things. How does this impact me? Is my life better? Am I earning more money? Do I, do I now have a job that I didn't have before? All these things are called reality. And so there's this little thing called a reality check. 
Um, so when the media speaks anymore, people go, well, geez, that's, that's neither my situation, nor do I know anybody who's in this horrible situation that they talk about. So again, we started out the year, uh, the economy was going to tank. We even had liberals, liberals like Bill Maher, who hoped, who, who prayed for, well, as much as somebody like Bill Maher prays, that the economy would crash, that it would tank. And, and why? Why did he say this? Well, he said this because, of course, see, he, he can survive it. He, he's not going to impact his life. You know, he's still going to be able to do whatever he wants to do. But he would put pain and misery in the lives of millions of Americans, and therefore they would vote for the Democrat, right? This is great. These are the people of compassion. This is the party of tolerance, the party that loves the most vulnerable amongst us. This is the party, liberals. Democrats who want to control the most vulnerable. It's got nothing to do with empathizing with them or hoping the, for the best for them. It's the opposite. They want, they want them to be miserable so that they can control them. That's charming. That's just absolutely fantastic. And, uh, yeah, it's not really working out so well. I think the most important thing to take away from at least these first years of President Donald Trump is this. The liberals have learned absolutely nothing, right? I mean, Hillary Clinton came out and she did her basket full of deplorables and da-da-da-da-da. They mocked middle America. Barack Obama mocked middle America, but a bunch of bitter clingers with their guns and their Bibles and their... Hillary took it to the next level, right? I mean, she if this was everything, Islamophobia, it was everything, misogyny, all this stuff. They've learned absolutely nothing. They lost an election because of this, because middle America finally said, you know what, I'm not listening to this stuff anymore. I'm sick of being called a racist. I'm sick of being called all these things that are, even though maybe at that time, some of these people in the Midwest had no intentions of voting for Donald Trump. They did. They did because they finally had enough. You can only call somebody a racist so many times. And after about 10,000 times of calling somebody a racist, it actually means nothing just like the entire basket full of deplorables. So I think the best thing here is this. They've learned nothing, absolutely nothing. So um, I, I think it's going to be a pretty good year for conservatism, and I think we're going to have another four years of it, so we'll see how it plays out. You know, it's really weird, but one person, almost kind of, sort of, agrees with me, and his name is Michael Moore. The problem is, is that he will, if the vote were today, I believe he wouldn't win the electoral states that he would need because living out there i will tell you his level of support has not gone down one inch in fact i'd say it's even more rabid uh than it was before because they're afraid now they're afraid he could lose so except for that very last sentence because okay folks that's liberalism right there oh i think because they're afraid he's going to lose no 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 that's not it at all it's because people are sick and tired of being called names. They're sick and tired of being labeled this and that. They're against women's health care if they think abortion is bad, because that makes sense, right? Right? Killing babies is women's health. Well, of course it is. Middle America is tired of being called names. They're tired, even if they're liberal, they're tired of their neighbors being called names because they may not agree politically with their neighbor, but they don't think he's a deplorable, right? This, this is where we're at with this whole thing. So except for the last sentence, 
that it's about a fear of losing. I, I don't think that's the case at all. I don't think that's anywhere near the case. But everything he, else he said was absolutely correct. Not, not only are, are the supporters of President Trump, uh, not, not only are they maintaining, right? They're growing. Look what's going on in minority communities. This could, this could, be, this could really be the story of the 2020 election is how does how do those numbers break out now personally i hate when we break everything down and we put everything in boxes because i think that's you know i just hate identity politics no matter who does it but but in this case i think it's going to be really interesting to see what minorities do what does the hispanic community do what is the level of support he gets what is the level of support within the black community because certainly everyone seems to be benefiting from this but the media we started out the year and it was doom and gloom again. It was going to be, oh, my God. It was, there were going to be bodies piled in the streets. Remember when we did this? Remember that we did this under Barack Obama. And it was when we first started the, well, all the, through the entirety of it as well, but the health care debate, right? Remember, we were, we were, as American citizens, we were stepping over dead bodies in the street. They were everywhere. Well, they weren't. But if you listen to the media, if you listen to the Democrats, there were dead bodies everywhere. This is always the difference, and this is always the, I don't know, the sobering part of all this politics, this division that we're living in here today. If you're on the left, you can't, you can't live in reality, right? Because, because reality slaps you in the face. Reality tells you that mm, maybe this narrative really isn't correct. This reality tells you that there really aren't dead bodies in the street. This reality tells you, wow, the economy is actually really good. So if you're on the left... You have to have a, a made-up, an alternative reality, right? You have to have a narrative, and somebody has to feed you this narrative. We saw it on the recent Democratic debate, right? Every one of them. People think the economy. Whenever you have to start out with people think something, you know you're in a bad spot, right? Because they don't think it. It's the reality. So in a way, you're kind of admitting, mm, okay, i got to stick to this narrative. I've got to destroy this, this reality because people are actually experiencing it. If you're a liberal, you have to deny real reality. You have to deny the things that you're experiencing as a human being, as a member of the society. You have to pretend it's not so. So that, that's a really difficult place for these people because it's always been about the economy. People vote based on the economy more, more than anything else. So, I mean, we can talk health care, we can talk about immigration, we can talk about all these other issues. At the end of the day, is this working out for you? And so here you had all the contenders on the stage who were saying, oh, no, it's absolutely horrible. The economy's really not that good. The economy, think about this. They make the claim that unemployment, which is like the lowest in history for many Americans, that unemployment was really because people are working like four or five jobs, just menial, horrible jobs that they're barely getting by. And it's, <laughs> that's not how it works. That's not how they track these things. And that's not how any of this works. So again, are you in reality or are you living on this alternate universe? So just take the media because this is where they get their cues. This is where it all comes from. It all starts with the media. And we talk a lot about that on this program and there's a reason that we do that just listen to this because this is how we started out the year and this is what we heard from the media 
as we move into 2019, increasingly looking at recessionary risk building. It looks like it's going to be a very challenging year, not just for the U.S. economy, but for the global economy. Recession jitters. President Trump said to be rattled as economic alarm bells cause a wild week on Wall Street. There are indicators that the U.S. could be headed for a recession. There are some rough waters ahead, maybe a recession. They see a potential recession on the horizon. Recession, recession. Recession, recession. Well, geez, if you're in Middle America, you're home, you're listening to the stuff, you're going. Because that sounds super scary, does it not? I'd go with the soup if I were you, because this is, this is crazy. This is what they have to do. Imagine being on that side, and you have to create an entire alternative reality. But more importantly, because it's one thing to just create it, right? It's another thing to sell it. You've got to sell this to people who aren't experiencing this, who don't see a recession coming. I have never seen, and this includes the media because, let's face it, the media is part of the Democratic Party. I've never seen an entire party wish for destruction, wish for people to suffer. I mean, these people want people to suffer because if they suffer enough, they'll vote for my crazy candidate no matter who it is, right? Right. <laughs> just imagine having that, that, that. That's what you have to do. That's your game plan. That's your winning strategy. Now, who would have thought in 2016 that calling half the American people a bunch of losers, who could have possibly imagined that that would not have been a winning campaign strategy? Um, everybody, right? Everybody except Hillary Clinton. I'm sure, I'm sure many people. Okay, come on. People had to have been telling her, come on, geez, you know, this is it. I don't think somebody like Hillary Clinton or any, somebody like Barack Obama, I don't think Joe Biden, I don't think these people listen to anybody, right? Because they're experts, they've been doing this forever, and they've got all the answers. Well, they didn't. They didn't. But again, take solace in this fact. They have learned nothing. Case in point, let's go right to this. This is a story you probably heard about this earlier in the week. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo has vetoed a non-controversial bipartisan bill that would have allowed all federal judges to officiate weddings in the state because, here's the reason, some of them might have been nominated to the bench by President Donald Trump. So everybody was cool with this, right? There's very few things anymore that are bipartisan, that are truly bipartisan. We we hear the word a lot, they throw it around, and they say, oh, it's bipartisan support, and no, it's not. Right? It's down party lines. Pretty much everything is down party lines now. Here you had a situation where in New York, of all places, New York, they come together and they all, it, this thing passed overwhelmingly. But because some of the judges were appointed by President Trump, well, forget this thing. We're going to veto it. Folks, a term that's been thrown around a lot this year is TDS, Trump derangement syndrome. This is it. This is it. I get liberals tell me all the time, well, that's, that's not a real thing. Yes, it is. <laughs> Let me say this again. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo has vetoed a non-controversial bipartisan bill that would have allowed all federal judges to officiate weddings in the state because some might have been nominated to the bench by President Donald J. Trump. Folks, that right there is Trump derangement syndrome. <laughs> it's the most perfect, fitting description of who these people are. 
We, we've talked about this all throughout the year, and especially now. I mean, we've gone through this impeachment circus thing. To me, it seems pretty uh, almost certain. Just like Michael Moore said in there, if the election were held today, the guy wins, right? Well, I think these people are going to misstep even further as we go forward. We get closer to next November. Uh, I think the guy's going to win. And I can't wait to see, but I'm also a little curious, where do they go from here? Where do you go from here? From the insanity that we saw the night that it was declared that Donald Trump had won the presidency in 2016, we saw what they, how the reaction was. We saw what happened. But then we've seen what has happened since, whether you want to talk about Brett Kavanaugh or you know, whatever situation you want to look at. Look at any of them. Any of these situations has craziness all around it. These people have lost their minds. So where do you go from here? We always say, I always used to, I used to always say that you, they can't go any lower, right? The Demo- Democrats can't possibly go any lower. Every time I say that, they do. They find a way. They dig deeper. The hole gets gets just a little bit deeper till the to the. I don't know. We're going to get to the Earth's core here pretty soon, I guess. But where do they go with the insanity? I mean, this, this is unbelievable. So a little bit more on this story. I cannot in good conscience support legislation that would authorize such actions by federal judges who are appointed by this federal administration, Cuomo's veto message stated. President Trump does not embody who we are as New Yorkers. The Democratic governor added Friday, the cornerstones that built our great state are diversity. Listen to this. Tolerance and inclusion. Based on this reasons, I must be intolerant and non-inclusive, is basically what he just said. This was the party that used to preach to us. They used to preach that they were about tolerance, and and again, they were going to stand up for the most vulnerable in our society. They screw the most vulnerable. They want the most vulnerable to be even more vulnerable. They appreciate vulnerability. Here, I'll give you a free phone if you'll vote for me. Here, I'll give you free this if you vote. They want them to be vulnerable. Look what's going on this week. Don't believe me? Check this out. So what are we watching this week? We're watching a spat between Governor Newsom out in California and President Trump. Because they have a huge homeless problem, which also... Uh, de Blasio jumped in on it also this week because he wasn't getting enough attention. Uh, nobody was really paying attention to him. So he jumped in on it as well. New York City, huge homeless problem. But California, I mean, you know, with the weather and all that, it makes sense. A little bit, little bit bigger of a problem. So what are they doing? They're making it Trump's problem because apparently there were no homeless people before President Trump. No different than the climate change thing. The climate was just fine until President Trump. It's unbelievable. But these are people who, again, supposed to care about the most vulnerable in our community. They've got people living on the streets. They have people defecating on the streets. They have people slamming heroin on the streets. I would say, I, you know, I am not a total expert on all this stuff, but I would say those people probably qualify as some of the most vulnerable in their community. Would you not agree? So what are they doing about it? Governor Newsom, who, who, again, back and forth between him and Trump this week, and he's saying, well, give me some money, and I, if you, you need to fix it. <laughs> it's your state, dude. It's your state. This is the difference between senators, congresspeople, and governors. 
Governors are supposed to govern. It's their state. They're literally supposed to protect the citizens of their state. Gavin Newsom would be the state of California. He's got nothing to do with President Trump. Nothing at all. But here's a guy who, what was it about a month ago? You had, you had Gavin Newsom on TV bragging about his incredible uh, fiduciary responsibility. And this guy is like super fiscally conservative. And he was bragging about having a $1 billion surplus in their budget. So at the end of the year, he's saying, hey, we, we got a billion dollars left over. A month later, he's blaming President Trump for not giving him money to fix the homeless problem. Who thinks we could maybe put a dent in California's homeless problem with that billion dollars that Gavin Newsom was, was waving around, right? Probably could do something on his own, couldn't he? Again, de Blasio, same thing. He's jumped in on this whole thing, and of course it's Trump's fault that people are homeless in New York. Well, of course it's his fault. They're literally, think, okay, at the same time that the left is trying to make the case that the economy is really not that good, right? Yeah, you think it's good for you, but it really isn't. So they're trying to tell people, experiencing a good economy, that they're really not experiencing a good economy. So how could it be Trump's fault, right? Homeless people, how could it possibly be his fault? It's his fault because the economy is so good. The economy is so good that rent prices have gone up and, and capitalism, evil capitalism, right? So it's because the economy is so good. Whoa, 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 whoa. Time out here, folks. Is the economy in the toilet or is the economy so good that it's creating homeless people? Because it can't be both at the same time. And again, this is what happens when you have to create an alternate reality, right? It's got to be, well, it's really not good. But now in this case, it is good. It, these people are in a lot of trouble. And I, for one, am enjoying every single minute of it. But yeah, so, you know, there you go. You've got a Gavin or a Governor Cuomo, and you've got, now you've got to get into Blasio getting in on this, who, Trump derangement syndrome, all of it. It's all Trump derangement syndrome. The alternative economy, the, the homeless problem is because of Trump, the climate change is because of Trump. Speaking of, we spent a lot of time this year, we talked about this a lot. We talked about this whole climate brawl thing. Uh, of course, the world's going to end and it's all doom and gloom. One more time, what do we call that? That's right, it's an alternative reality. But one thing is real about this, and this is what disturbs me about all of it. So we've, we've had... Many physicists on the program, we've had geologists, we've had zoologists, we've had a lot of people. The one consistent thing with all of them that we've had on, whether it was Tony Heller or uh, Susan Crockford, it, the one consistent thing, these were all people that were in the club, right? So they were all part of this peer-reviewed, because they have this really special system where you can only look at this little bit of information. If you look at anything else, well, you get kicked out of the club for that. These were all people that were in the club. They were all part of the peer review thing. They all did their thing. And then it just, after time, it didn't make sense, which is kind of like the average American. You don't have to be a scientist to go through this. When I was growing up as a kid, it was the coming ice age. The whole globe was going to freeze, and we were all going to be penguins. So as time went on, and you said, Ooh, wait a minute, the glaciers really didn't disappear. Oh, wait a minute, there still is sea ice. Ooh, wait a minute, this didn't happen either. You go through, and it's like 100 things that they predicted was going to happen, and it never happened. So you start going, hmm, maybe the science isn't completely settled. So we had a bunch of people on the program who had been 
part of this and you know thought, well, yeah, yeah let's let's do our part let's investigate this as they did their actual science they found out that it really didn't work out that it really didn't make sense so one by one they were all kicked out of the club this is why we brought them on the program to show you how this works because you have to when somebody creates an alternative reality and you're in that group you have to say, yes, yes, it is. Yep, yep, this is what it is. So you have to go along with every single thing, which, of course, is the opposite of science because, you're like, you're supposed to question things. But you can't. You're not allowed to. If you do, as you've all heard through all these many interviews, if you do go against any bit of – and it can be just – I don't you – could, there could be 100 things on this list. They agree with 99 of them. But not agreeing with that one thing – Gets you kicked out, right? So if you're in a, if you're part of a, in this case, let's say Democrats, and then they create this alternative reality, the economy is horrible. You're not going to hear a single Democrat come on and say, "Well, well, no, actually, it's pretty good." Uh, you know, you, you get kicked out of the club, right? They'll throw you right out on your rear end. Same thing they did with these scientists. So I thought that was one of the more fascinating periods that we, that we went through during this year uh, when it came to the show and things like that. And, and if you're still wondering, yes, the thread is still going. I don't think it will ever end. So um, <laughs> really fascinating to watch all the people pop in and pop out of it. But, uh, but we learned a lot by talking to some of these people who just, again, you could, you could agree with 99 of 100 things, one thing, and you're out of the club. And you're a hack. And they do everything they can to destroy you in every single way that you can be destroyed. But here's the thing that they're doing that really bothers me. And we talked about this a lot. The kids. We've all seen the Gretas. And the, now there's some 10-year-old kid in uh, Colombia who's some kind of super genius and just really was able to, I guess, years and years of scientific study was able to conclude that all these things are true. Because, you know, that's, that's what it was like when you were 10, right? Yeah, all the studying you did for science and were able to, you know, comprehend all this stuff. In Germany, I don't know if you heard about this. This is a story that actually just came out this morning. German public broadcaster WDR2 on Saturday issued an apology for showing a video of a children's choir singing a humorous traditional tune rewritten with satirical lyrics. The song title, My Grandma is an Old Environmental Pig, triggered heated reactions on Twitter. One user described the lyrics as disrespectful, geez, you think, while a WDR news editor said the, re the remake of the traditional tune was scandalously good. These are third-grade children. Third-grade children. And they're happily singing this tune, big smiles on their face. The title of the song, again, My Grandma is an Old Environmental Pig. Yeah, yeah, this is absolutely fantastic. Now, the song ends, the final line of the song that they repeat over and over is, we will not let you get away with this. Third grade children. Now, it seems to me, and I, I don't have a history book in front of me right now, but it seems to me that we did this before, that, that we had young third grade kids singing things in school in Germany. Again, don't have a history book in front of me, but if I remember correctly, it didn't end well at all. This, is, this has gotten completely out of hand. This goes all back to the Al Gore thing. You all remember the famous clip. This is the first generation 
that has grown up. When we grew up, right? for me anyway, I'll use myself. When I grew up, I thought I knew everything when I was a kid too. But see, my parents, like they kind of set me straight on that and let me know that they really didn't. This though, this is the first generation that's going to actually grow up believing, being told on a daily basis that they actually do. They actually do know more than their parents. You guys remember this, right? When I was your age and the Civil Rights Revolution was uh, unfolding, and we kids and our parents and, and their generation, um, explain to me again why it's okay for the law to officially discriminate against people because of their skin color. And when our parents' generation couldn't answer that question, that's when the laws started to change. There are some things about our world that you know that older people don't know. There are some things that you know that your parents don't know. This was a former vice president. Al Gore, telling third-grade children that they're smarter than their parents. First generation now that we have seen that is now fully grown, fully matured, that have been hearing that message their entire lives. Folks, this doesn't end well. This ends with kids singing songs like my grandma is an old environmental pig. That's how it ends. Yeah, again, don't have the history book in front of me, but I just kind of got this uh, vague memory that the whole German kids singing in school thing about old people bad really didn't work out well. I don't know. I'm sure this will be much different this time. Quick commercial break. We will be back with my good friend, Mr. Richard Barris. Have you ever been frustrated when you go to the doctor and are asked to fill out forms over and over again? And you're asked for information that you don't remember, or you have to submit the same form to multiple organizations. And each time you are asked to fill out the same form by hand. What about filling out business or legal forms, all manually? Maybe you've spent a lot of time filling out a form, made sure that everything is correct, and oops, the person who re-entered the data into the computer system made several mistakes. Why couldn't you do it from home in advance, where you could find all of the necessary documents? Now you can at Formateer.com. The next time you need a form filled out, the information can be found right at your fingertips. If you're an individual, you may find some forms ready to use on Formateer.com. Or we may be able to create a custom form for you at a very low cost or no cost at all. If you're a small business, Formateer.com will be happy to create a set of forms or a complete data entry solution for your business needs. If you're a business that provides software, IT solutions, or both to another business, Formateer.com has a great solution for you as well. Our parent company, RenderX, provides software and solutions to a very diversified group, from individuals to Fortune 500 companies. Even the United States government budget is formatted with RenderX software. With Formateer.com, customers can fill out forms from their homes in advance when and where they have all the required information, or they can edit information that has changed if they filled out the form previously. No writing for them, no data re-entry for you. Form filling solutions for businesses or individuals at Formateer.com. That's Formateer.com. 
And here is our newly remodeled hotel business center. Lobby disk drive computer, dot matrix printer, and modem. Modem? That's right. Dial up. Hello. Need a new way to work when you're on the road? Regis has over 1,100 professional business lounges. Access to meeting rooms with video conference studios. Private offices you can book by the hour or day. And a mobile app to find Regis locations. Regis is the new way to work. Call now and get two months free. Your mom's got your back. Your friends have your back. Your dog's definitely got your back. But who's got your back when you need legal help? We do. We're LegalZoom. And over the last 10 years, we've helped millions of people protect their families and run their businesses. We have the right people on hand to answer your questions, backed by a trusted network of attorneys. So visit us today for legal help you can count on. LegalZoom. Legal help is here. This is Don Smith from The Don Smith Show. As a conservative talk show host, there is one undeniable truth. Nobody is more uplifting and inspiring than the Democrats. I've always envied them for this. In fact, one could almost say with the new crop that has just come into Congress, they light up our lives. The world is going to end in 12 years if we don't address climate change. You give me hope to You know, if that's what radical means, call me a radical. You light up Maybe we shouldn't be eating a hamburger for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. This is Chuck Woolery. You're listening to The Don Smith Show, where it's okay to be a conservative. Welcome back to the show. Hope you're having a great Saturday so far. Again, wishing everybody a happy new year. Hope you have a great 2020. I know we will here, and hopefully you'll be here for some of that. So, um, I, you know, just watching how this is evolving, watching everything play out here in this whole election process has just truly been fascinating, and I, I think it'll get even more so. We see now, we see them going at each other even more. Um, I think one of the most interesting things that happened this year was the Justice Kavanaugh thing. So, so here you've got this guy who 
seems like a seems like a pretty good guy. I mean, yeah, you may not like his politics and you know what have you. What did they do to this guy? They tried to turn him into a serial rapist, right? This this was, guy was like the worst person that ever existed, but he wasn't. They they bring out this lady who really has no recollection of anything, doesn't know where this attack happened. Nobody can corroborate it. She gives names of people who were there, and every single one of them, her friends, say not only were they not at this supposed party, but they've never met Judge Kavanaugh. And still, to this day, liberals believe it. Again, we started out the program talking about creating an alternative reality and then actual reality. These are people living in an alternative reality, and they have to, because if you're not, again, just like climate change, just like I don't care what group you want to talk about, you will be kicked out of the club. You will be excommunicated, right? Oh, you no longer exist. It's just really interesting. So one of the great books here that we, that we saw this year come out was from Molly Hemingway uh, and Carrie Severino, and we had an opportunity to sit down here uh, with Molly Hemingway, we're going we're gonna to get into that because I think that was really interesting to have her lay it all out. These people put it all out in the book. There were so many things. This, this is one thing that, that has really changed, I think, since President Trump took office, and that's the short news cycle, right? Because this, the news cycle, I mean, something. every time the guy tweets something, he takes complete control of the media, the narrative, the, the news cycle. It starts all over, and it could be like five minutes in between tweets. So there's so many things when it comes to the Judge Kavanaugh, for example, when it comes to that entire situation that a lot of people don't know, because it just never, even when, even when they were making things up and they were bringing in all these new witnesses, and remember that they brought like three other women in who just had, uh, first of all, de Blasio Ford, zero credibility, but they were able to find people that had less than zero credibility, right? People that liars their entire lives it was and the and the stories just got more bizarre by the minute but a lot of this stuff just completely gets glossed over because of the news cycle the way it's so rapid now they used to call it a 24 news cycle 24 hour news cycle remember this 24 hours it, it, sometimes it's 24 seconds now uh, depending on how long it is between tweets so that is the trump effect that's the uh, you know it's just the way he's able to control everything and this is the, their biggest problem is their biggest problem is this. He gets things done. I mean, we had eight years of Obama, and I, I, this I could not be more happy for is the fact that he didn't get things done. Right? He could have. He could have gotten a lot of things done, but he didn't. And I thought that was we're very fortunate for that. So um, yeah, I had an opportunity to sit down with Molly Hemingway and I thought this was a great interview because they really did, again, they did a great job of chronicling the things that, that really happened that I think got glossed over by a lot of people. This was also the same day that the Mueller uh, testimony was taking place too. So I had some time to, at the end there of the interview to talk to her about that. So here is my sit down with Molly Hemingway. My next guest is Molly Hemingway. She is the senior editor at The Federalist, also a senior journalism fellow at Hillsdale College and a Fox News contributor. She is also the co-author of a great new book that I highly recommend everybody read. It's called Justice on Trial, The Kavanaugh Confirmation and the Future of the Supreme Court. Molly, welcome to The Don Smith Show. It's great to be here with you. 
Well, it is great to have you, and I, first of all, I want to congratulate uh, you and Carrie Severino on making the bestsellers list, and here's why I think that's important. I don't think it's just so much that I like to see great writers uh, succeed in their projects, but I think this is a historical moment, and I think this is something that needs to be preserved, and I'm very uh, glad that so many people are interested in reading this and not just letting it go. So congratulations, and could you comment a little bit about how important you think this book is? Well, Carrie and I are absolutely thrilled at the reception it's getting. We obviously thought it was an important story, not just about Brett Kavanaugh and what happened to him and what what happened, uh, what was required to get him onto the Supreme Court, but also about the very notion of justice itself and whether we as a country still believe in this idea that people are innocent until proven guilty, that rule of law and due process are important. And I think the reason why people have responded so favorably to the book is because what happened last year was really appalling for a lot of people. Uh, Not, you know, again, not particularly for Brett Kavanaugh, although it was particular for him, but just we all saw a bunch of people who should have known better casting out that presumption of innocence um, standard that we've held to for so long. So I'm just uh, I'm glad that people are enjoying our write up of the confirmation battle. Well, you know, and I, I think also this is, this is again, I think this is a really historical time. I think, I mean, we can look back at uh, Judge Bork. We can look back at uh, the Justice Thomas hearings, for example. But I think this, this to me, I mean, we watched a campaign in 2016 where Michelle Obama came out and said, uh, when they go low, we go high. I think this is an absolute new low when it comes to the left. What are your thoughts on that? It was absolutely horrible to see the length some people would go to to win a Supreme Court confirmation battle. Um, And I was just talking about one aspect of it with someone else, and we get into this in the book, but how uh, Brett Kavanaugh, when he reacts angrily to the suggestion that he is a serial, or to the claim that he is a serial gang rapist who led a cartel of gang rapers who were, you know, roaming Montgomery County, Maryland in their youth, he reacts angrily to that suggestion, that claim, a claim that Diane Feinstein herself mentioned in her opening statement. Well, then they move from you are someone who's um, we're going to call a sexual assaulter, even though we don't have any evidence for that claim, to you reacted too angrily to our suggestion that you are a, you know, a, cr- a criminal who's targeting people. Um, that is a really horrible standard and really awful to have seen so many people fall into that. Yeah, absolutely. And I I think, again, there were were many people. I think this really kind of brought together um, the right, if you will, conservatives together, because this this was a a good man. I mean, seemingly when you looked at him, he he, a wholesome man, family man, had a beautiful family. They didn't just try Molly to destroy him. They really tried to destroy his entire family, in my view. Oh, and we tell the story in the book about how Ashley Kavanaugh, when she knows that her husband is up for the nomination, she actually prays that he won't be chosen because they've already gone through two horrible confirmation processes during the Bush administration. She enjoys her life. They have a happy home. They have good lives. He has a lifetime appointment on the lower federal bench that he's on. And she just prays that he won't get it, even though she knows he's the most qualified. Um, And just to think about how she had no clue how awful it would become. And it wasn't just 
that there were organized political groups coming after them or going into their finances, you know, which, you know, things like that. It was then the behavior of the senators who did a lot of grandstanding during the first round of hearings who allowed, uh, who encouraged people to come in and protest and get arrested and, you know, create a lot of drama while, you know, while family members and kids were in the room to then the allegations of sexual assault. She could not have imagined you know, she knew she knew enough to know that it would probably be rough, but she could not have imagined how personal it would have gotten. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of people agree with that. So let me ask you this, because I think this really plays into um, this whole thing. And I think it's kind of captured as well in the book. And this is why I think, again, the book is so important as a historical reference. We've gotten in a time and you've been in the media for a long time. Uh, you've seen a lot of changes in the media, as have I. Let's talk about this a little bit. We have such short news cycles today, and, and I think this is one of the things because things would get thrown up. And uh, for example, I mean, I bring up something like the uh, the Deutsche Bank loan uh, to uh, to President Trump, but things get thrown up there, and then they just get kind of they don't even get dealt with. I mean, they just get set aside. There was never an explanation. You point this out in the book that the claim is that uh, Justice Kennedy was going to be beholden to the president rather than the other <laughs> way around. This was never explained. Yeah. But how much does this play into it with this short news cycle and everybody just goes, oh, we didn't deal with that, but we're already on to 10 other things now? Well, political operatives have clearly figured out how to game the process. And they know that they just have to throw an allegation out that they'll never even get thoroughly investigated. But it creates this cloud of suspicion around someone. Um, in fact, this is why I actually found the anti-Kavanaugh campaign to have some similarities to the now debunked Russia collusion theory. You know, you throw out an allegation, it's kind of hard to prove or disprove, but it gets out there and people start thinking, oh, well, there are enough allegations here, there must be something to it. We tell the story actually about how after Christine Blasey Ford makes her allegation, which is, again, very vague, very difficult to pin down, there's not much to point to to either prove or disprove, then another story comes out in The New Yorker. And it was a really shoddy story. It was like a woman spent six days in her Democratic attorney's offices to reconstruct a memory where she thought maybe Brett Kavanaugh was in a room where maybe something happened, couldn't find any witnesses, even though she called everybody she knew, trying to get them to corroborate her story. None of them knew what she was talking about. They run with the story anyway. It never should have been published. And the woman who wrote it, Jane Mayer, said that she did it in part because she wanted to show a pattern of misconduct. She knows that if there's a pattern, if there are enough stories, well, then you, um, you, you've done enough to make someone look bad in the eyes of the average public. So I think the people have to get more aware of how political operatives are using the media to create impressions that are not necessarily true and just be more discerning consumers of news information. Well, yeah, and then I think, okay, so another unresolved issue here, and this is one that was just brushed by, and you guys, thankfully, and, I, and I'm so glad you did this, you and Carrie put into context the fear of flying. This, this to me, was a pretty pertinent detail. I mean, this is why that, that the delay had to, had to go on so long. I know she's going to drive all the way from California. I'm talking about, of course, Christine Blasey Ford. Talk a little bit about that, because I think that was such an important point that just got really just shoved aside. So immediately after Christine Blasey Ford shares her story with the Washington Post and a very friendly reporter phrases everything just the right way, uh, Blasey Ford's attorney, who was provided by the Democrats, Diane Feinstein, put her in contact with them. Um, she goes on TV and says, my client wants to testify like immediately. And Chairman Grassley 
totally uh, unexpectedly, I guess, says, okay, let's do it right away. Let's do it immediately, you know, as soon as we can get you here. At which point we start hearing from these attorneys that Christine Blasey Ford is unable to fly. She's terrified of flying. She can't fly. So once again, Grassley says, well, I'll come to you. I'll bring people to you. We will investigate. We'll come, you know, to wherever you are. You don't have to fly. Well, come hearing day, A, she claims that she had no idea that people were willing to come to her, which shows a serious problem of her attorneys or deception on her part. But then the Rachel Mitchell, the woman who Republicans brought in to do the questioning, just starts posing some questions. How did you get here? I flew. How did you get here when you were here earlier in the summer? I flew. Um, you work for a company in Australia. Do you fly there? Oh, no, 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 no. I could never fly there. It says here you do international surf travel. Do you fly to that? Oh, yes. So by the end, we're learning that she claims she can't fly, but she, in fact, does island hopping, sometimes on tiny planes that she flies all over the world. And it was very weird that we had been told she couldn't fly when she flies regularly, um, that she claimed she didn't know that people would come to her. Uh, But what I also thought interesting was average people watching at home, I think, watched that and said, oh, my goodness, she's she's maybe not telling the truth. But the media analysis of her testimony was that she had done a magnificent job and that the holes in her testimony somehow made her more credible. So it was really interesting how the media in their little bubble were completely divorced from the reality of what a lot of people were watching. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think another thing here, too, as well, she named uh, Christine Blasey Ford named some people who could corroborate her side of this. Not one single one could do that. Not one single one even said they knew Brett Kavanaugh, much less were at this supposed party and all these different things. But yet, is this part of the Me Too situation where today it's just it's just not okay to criticize uh, this woman who, even though I think every single aspect of what she said was at best questionable? Insofar as the Me Too movement is helping hold people accountable for mistreatment of women or um, you know underage children or whatnot, it is a fantastic thing. Insofar as the Me Too movement is used to throw out due process or the idea that an allegation is sufficient to destroy someone's life, even if you have no evidence to support your allegation, it's actually a, it's actually a dangerous thing. So uh, this, this thing became so big in part because of the Me Too movement, but it really kind of highlighted the worst aspects of it. This idea that um, a man can live his life a certain way for decades and have nothing but a good reputation from everybody he knows, uh, and a single allegation can forever tar him, even though Christine Blasey Ford has never even provided evidence that she had met Brett Kavanaugh, much less that she'd been alone with him or that he'd tried to rape her or she said she thought he might kill her. I mean, these are really serious allegations for which no evidence was provided. But to this day, if you read an article about him, you know, in a newspaper, they'll say who was accused of sexual assault. And so it's this damage to the reputation that is a very serious harm um, that, you know, if we care about holding men accountable for abuse of women, and I do, then we should demand that we always hold those high standards of due process and rule of law. Well, yeah, and I, and I think when there's cases like this, I think it diminishes holding men accountable. I, I think it totally takes away from that, just like false uh, charges of racism and, and things like that as well. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's a great way to set back the movement is by politicizing it and using it to advance, you know, a very weak case with no evidence. And it's very sad because, you know, I think we agree men who abuse women should be held accountable. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I want to talk about this a little bit because I think this was one of the things that completely got lost. And, and of course, uh, the, the reaction that, uh, that Justice Kavanaugh had when he, when he responded to these questions. But one thing that got totally lost in this, 
this is an incredibly qualified man for this position. I mean, this is somebody with tons of experience. Some were afraid that he had too much experience. But, but I think one thing you point out in your book that really hit me, he had hired 25 women and 23 men as law clerks. Uh, of those, what was it, 39 of them, I believe, went on to clerk at the Supreme Court. I mean, this is, a, this is a, an extremely accomplished man. Yes, he was considered, ever since 2012, I think the New Yorker said that he would be the next Republican-nominated um, person for the, for the Supreme Court. So he had a reputation that was, that was quite good. He also was the judge, the federal judge, who was most upheld at the Supreme Court, uh, meaning that when the Supreme Court reviewed his opinions, whether he was in the majority or minority on, on the uh, D.C. Court of Appeals, they tend to decide with him. He is very good at persuading people to come up, to come together on the most originalist understanding of an argument. So uh, he just had a lot of fans, whether it was about, um, you know, Bill of Rights issues or the threat posed by administrative agencies. You know how Congress has been kind of not taking responsibility for itself, but just giving bureaucracies all this power. He is one of the experts who's kind of been thinking through some of the constitutional problems with that approach Congress has been taking. Um, he's a, you know, he's a really well-regarded judge, and not everybody liked him. I mean, he had even uh, some conservative critics when he was when he was nominated. Some light critics, I would say. They, um, so, you know, there was a there was a tense issue about whether he would get the nomination or not. But he certainly had a very good reputation among people, you know, across both sides of the aisle. Yeah, and I, and I think you covered that perfectly. You and Carrie Severino did a great job of covering all of that. I've got to ask you one, one question outside of the book before I let you go. This week's news, as we're talking here today, we're talking about the uh, Robert Mueller testimony. Um, I thought it was uh, quite bizarre, and I almost uh, felt bad uh, for Mr. Mueller. What, what is your takeaway from, from what we saw uh, Wednesday morning? I, it's just it was amazing to watch his performance. Um, and I say that as someone who actually has been skeptical or critical of the Mueller probe itself, I didn't, I, I did not fall for the Russia collusion theory. I think the idea that being angry about being falsely accused of being a traitor who colluded with Russia to steal the election is not a good case to make for obstruction. It actually reminds me of what we just talked about with Brett Kavanaugh. Being angry that you're called a serial gang rapist does not mean that you are unfit for the Supreme Court. Um, I had no idea he was that out of it. I mean, he clearly does not know what was going on in the investigation. He had no control over the people who were running it. And I think we have a lot of really difficult questions that need answering about who was in charge and what their motivations were and why they all happened to be Democratic donors and Clinton operatives and Clinton attorneys. And so it was <laughs> devastating for, for the impeachment effort, I would say. Yep, I could not agree more with that. The book is Justice on Trial, the Kavanaugh Confirmation and the Future of the Supreme Court. Molly, where can my listeners go to get the book and where can they keep up with you? Every, every Barnes & Noble in the country, BJ's, Amazon.com. We are topping all the bestseller lists and we're, we're so happy about that. So pretty much, I think, uh, most bookstores should have it. Well, congratulations to both of you. It is a great book. I highly recommend this as a, as a historical reference, but you give so much great information in this. So amazing job. Uh, congratulations on your success, and thanks for being on the show today. Thank you. Have a great day. All right. That was my sit-down with Molly Hemingway. Uh, it really is a great book. And again, there's so much that got left out of the just because of the news cycles and uh, everything else that's going on, but it was just uh, really details 
the things that were really happening behind the scene, uh, some we heard about, some we did not. And uh, great book. Check it out if, if you haven't already. But, you know, that was another great story of the year, or I don't know if we want to call it a great story, but it was certainly a big story anyway. And that was the entire Mueller thing. What a joke. Look at this. Look what they're doing now, because it's all an extension, right? They're trying to make it now that it was all about this telephone call in Ukraine that happened earlier this year. That thing went on for three years, so I I think we can all do the math. We can connect the dots, and you've got to love the liberals today who are demanding to have a say in in the Senate trial, and we had no say in the House investigation. We had no say. So now they want to completely control it because, folks, that is liberalism. Liberalism is thinking you get to control everything even when you don't. So, you know, it's, it goes back to the Obama thing. Remember, the, we've talked about this before, the David Axelrod thing. It came down to whether the government was going to get shut down or not get shut down. Um, and the Republicans were asking for, like, one thing. We want, like, one thing in this. And they said, no, this is not an a la carte menu. Look what we just went through here with this budget, right? So, you know, they always think that they're in a strong position. They always think they have leverage. Um, In this case, of course, they most certainly do not. Well, it has been a pleasure this year to once again work with the folks at Special Operations Speaks and Vets in the Fight. Uh, As you know, we we play our weekly sit rep, and uh, this week is no different. So without further ado, here is this week's Vets in the Fight. Hello, all you vets in the fight. This is David Miller with your weekly Special Operations Speaks Vets in the Fight Sit Rep. Well, isn't perspective a funny thing? As many of us, including yours truly, enter into our golden years, our sense of time changes dramatically. Gone are the salad days of fretful waiting, waiting for summer to come, birthday, Christmas. Seeming eternity passes between each and somehow slows the closer we get to the mark. Not so, as we pass the decades behind us, our lives filled with doctor's visits, new and mysterious aches and pains, and the sense of urgency to get things done while there's still time and energy to do them. But we do have the pleasures of life that can only come with advancing years. Children grown and on their own grandchildren that are actually happy to see us, and all the too infrequent quiet evenings appreciating the little things. A true joy for many of us is the time to teach our little ones the truth about our country, this great, flawed, but exceptional republic we call home. Well, with our quick trip down the nostalgic path complete, let's look back on the year that was 2019 and refresh our memories so that we might be ready with an answer to the endless questions that inevitably spring from the mouths of babes. 2019 might be called many things, but boring, it was not. We saw a tech giant Facebook come under the microscope in order to pay a $5 billion fine to the FTC for mishandling user privacy. And big tech overall gearing up to, as the Google CEO said, preventing another 2016. Shadow banning, demonetizing, and outright hostility toward Christian and conservative posts and channels became the norm and led many to urge Capitol Hill to, quote, do something, unquote, about it. Climate emergency became the byword of the year and gave rise to the less child messiah, Greta Thunberg, who globe-trotted using apparent 
carbon neutral planes, trains, and yachts like so many celebrities, excoriating the great unlearned ones, the deplorables, for our ecological malfeasance. Julian Assange, founder of WikiLeaks and the epicenter of exposing much Democrat criminal activity, was taken into custody. You know, very little has been heard of his situation since. Our special operations forces and intel community tracked down and neutralized one of the world's most violent terrorists, al-Baghdadi. Well, okay, he neutralized himself, but the dogs of war literally would have rendered him nonetheless. And the nefarious and sexually deranged Jeffrey Epstein breathed his last in his prison cell amid the fog of conspiracy, apparently taking with him the names and sexual appetites of some of the world's true 1%, allegedly. Our president, Donald Trump, continued to beat back the barbarians at the gate and in the House by gaining one victory after another in spite of daily vicious attacks from cable news, academia, and the blind rage of Democrat communists bent on impeachment and conviction. Just because orange man bad. The southern border wall is being built, jobs are returning to America, and we are enjoying the lowest unemployment rate in decades. Tax cuts have put more money in the pockets of working-class Americans, sanctions and real trade deals, putting first America and foreign governments for the first time in many years know that we have a captain that means business. We end this year on a very patriotic note by recognizing the men and women of Virginia fighting tyranny in the form of disarmament. The Virginia Citizens Defense League, headed up by Philip Van Cleve, has a 25-year history of training, activism, and faithful service to their fellow Virginians. They are, as I'm sure you're well aware of, despite a virtual media blackout, embroiled in the fight to keep and bear arms. Their motto, defending your right to defend yourself, does not ring hollow. They are in the eye of the constitutional storm that their governor, Lord Natham, and his soon-to-be Democratic tyrannical legislature started. Join them, if at all possible, 20 January 2020 in Richmond for the God Family Guns Rally at Capitol Square. Special Operations Speaks and Vets in the Fight are joining fellow North Carolinian patriots to a trip there in support of them. If you're within driving distance to Southern Pines, come join us or plan on organizing your own trip there. Our 56-pack bus will be leaving Southern Pines at 5.30 on the 20th. The seats are only $43 each, and they're filling up quickly. You can find instructions at mewe.com slash join slash Special Operations Speaks. This is a critical juncture in our nation's history, and we dare not fail. This is David Miller for Special Operations Speaks and Bets in the Fight Everywhere. May God keep and bless our exceptional republic. Dale Presso Lever. Have you ever been frustrated when you go to the doctor and are asked to fill out forms over and over again? And you're asked for information that you don't remember, or you have to submit the same form to multiple organizations. And each time you are asked to fill out the same form by hand. What about filling out business or legal forms, all manually? Maybe you've spent a lot of time filling out a form, made sure that everything is correct, and oops, the person who re-entered the data into the computer system made several mistakes. 
Why couldn't you do it from home in advance, where you can find all of the necessary documents? Now you can at Formateer.com. The next time you need a form filled out, the information can be found right at your fingertips. If you're an individual, you may find some forms ready to use on Formateer.com, or we may be able to create a custom form for you at a very low cost or no cost at all. If you're a small business, Formateer.com will be happy to create a set of forms or a complete data entry solution for your business needs. If you're a business that provides software, IT solutions, or both to another business, Formateer.com has a great solution for you as well. Our parent company, RenderX, provides software and solutions to a very diversified group, from individuals to Fortune 500 companies. Even the United States government budget is formatted with RenderX software. With Formateer.com, customers can fill out forms from their homes in advance when and where they have all the required information, or they can edit information that has changed if they filled out the form previously. No writing for them, no data re-entry for you. Form filling solutions for businesses or individuals at Formateer.com. That's Formateer.com. Is it time to expand and open offices in Sao Paulo and London? A long-term lease will be like a short, tight noose. And furnishing those will be as much fun as a tax audit. You guys always give me such great negative feedback. Fear and doubt holding you back? Now there's a new way to work to minimize risk. With Regis, you get fully equipped offices without a long-term lease, a receptionist, conference rooms, and over 1,100 locations around the world. Regis is the new way to work. Call now and get two months free. Been looking for an online gathering place? You know, a familiar screen does everything you're used to, except give you grief for being a conservative? You've got to try the Tea Party community. At TPC, you'll know how everything works from the very first minute, and you'll probably find a lot of friends who are already there. Organize, communicate, share ideas, upcoming events, pictures, and videos. The Tea Party community connects and empowers like-minded, politically conservative people. Like you, sign up today at teapartycommunity.com. Wouldn't it be nice if there was an easier, less expensive option than a traditional lawyer? At LegalZoom, you get personalized services for your family and your business that's 100% guaranteed. So go to LegalZoom.com today for personalized, affordable legal protection. Are you among the 64% of Americans who believe our country is going in the wrong direction? If yes, then eVoiceAmerica.com is the political take-action site we've all been waiting for. And it's really free. eVoiceAmerica provides your personal list of elected reps every time you log on. This makes it so easy to email your opinions and e-votes on top issues directly to each of our D.C. elected representatives. eVoice then publishes our e-vote majority percentages on top issues to each member of Congress and the media. Now, for the first time in history, we can know what millions of American citizens are telling Congress. No more gridlock. Join the new American majority using eVoiceAmerica.com, putting Americans in control of Congress. Visit eVoiceAmerica.com today. It's free and easy to use. That's eVoiceAmerica.com. Hey, this is Ted Nugent. I'm on the Don Smith Radio Show where it's okay to be a real conservative.
Hey, welcome back to the program. Hope you're having a great Saturday so far. One of our other great interviews always is anytime we get a chance to sit down with Judge Janine Pirro, uh, of course, Fox News host and uh, just an, an amazing person who does a great job of writing some books. But she touched on something in her latest, and I think this is kind of the key word, and it's something we've been seeing since, well, since President Trump won the election, and this is revenge. I mean, we talked with Molly Hemingway about what happened to Judge Kavanaugh, which was, of course, revenge for the whole thing with uh, you know, what's his guy's name for uh, Obama had picked and, and we didn't put him on there. But this was about revenge. It's about getting back at you people, not just people like Supreme Court justices and you and me, the average American citizen. And so, you know, just to watch this play out, I think Judge Janine really wanted to uh, – really put that together and and i think she did a great job in this book so we're, we're going to do that here in a little bit but right now i've got my good friend he is richard barris from people's always a pleasure to have him on the program hey rich welcome back to the show hey don thanks for having me everybody have a merry christmas we did how about you I did. I did. Uh, a little bit late today, but apologize for that. But we had, uh, yeah, Christmas was, uh, it was nice. And looks like it's going to be the last one around here, as you know. So we tried to make yep. the best of it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, good for you. Glad to hear you had a great one. You know, what we're talking about this year, we're talking about, in fact, we're going to, after our next break, we're going to do the uh, Judge Jeanine Pirro, where she talks about revenge. And I think this is where we're at in this whole thing when it comes to the left versus the right, uh, so divided right now. But this seems to be for the left about revenge. And we, we've been seeing that a lot and hearing that a lot from the candidates on the campaign trail uh, for the Democratic primary. Talk a little bit about yeah. that. What have you seen this year? Because we've seen an intensification, right, from especially from the media. And we've talked about that a little bit on the program. But just talk about where we're at right now when it comes to this whole they want to get revenge against this thing you know and and that's funny you mentioned that because yesterday we were going over some of the uh, uh one of the fact checks we were going to do and i keep hearing democrats like jessica tarloff last week say this that you know the uh the impeachment uh managers don for instance weren't you know seated in, uh, until january when the republicans impeached bill clinton in december and I mean, the roll call is a matter of public record. But if you actually just compare the language, you know, people looked at these articles of impeachment and one of them was abuse of power. It was like, where did they get this from? Right. They almost mirrored some of the Republican language. Of course, the difference is that they didn't um, they didn't actually have a crime like Republicans had Ken Starr alleging in the independent counsel uh, against Bill Clinton. But they still mirrored that language, Don. And it, and it hit me that I'm reading this thing and it's so it, it looked like revenge. I mean, you know, like we're just going to get you back for this, even though, of course, they didn't have any crime. They still use the same language. And I think that there's this inability and we've talked about this a million times, just an inability on, um, you know, among people on the left to understand or deal with the idea that Donald Trump won that election. And they had been convinced that he that the numbers were there, uh, you know, with, between immigration and education that the trend was going to sit, you know, they wrote books on about the permanent, you know, new emerging majority and it didn't happen. And they were just so stunned. They want to get somebody for this, you know, and they're of course, victim, you know, the victimhood, you know, that they, that they preach that all is, it's very, 
it, it's very intertwined. It's, it's very coherent with that worldview. So they're always looking to get back at somebody. And I know, yeah. by the way, because they hate Judge Janine, I've met her. She's a wonderful woman. And you would never think she's such, you know, I mean, she's just a, a nice woman. And we, we don't uh, care about the person anymore. It's just their view. And that's, that's just a sad place because that's, that's where we're at. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I want to talk about this because we've talked all throughout the year. We've looked at these, uh, at the primaries going on on the left. And, and you mentioned something. You just said something about always being the perpetual victims and this kind of mentality. I think nobody has displayed that more than Elizabeth Warren. Now, we saw her rising in the polls. She was up to, and in some polls, they even had her kind of edging out in the lead. But uh, she really shot up through the polls and now is on her way. Seems to be the trajectory is going down significantly. But I don't think anybody yeah. has really proved who has really uh, stood out for that more, who's made themselves a victim. So here's a clip. This is uh, just something that's going on here this week. Now, of course, we had the where she was visibly pregnant, and that's why she lost her job. Then we found out that wasn't true. <laughs> she was N- Native American because she had high cheekbones, and then well, then the DNA result came back that she wasn't. She had at one point, and I think maybe many people have forgotten this part of it, Rich is. She actually used that narrative way back early, earlier in her career where she said that her parents had to run away in a lope because her mom was a Cherokee, right. which, of course, now that's completely debunked. But it was the visibly pregnant. It was this. Now it's that, geez, her poor dad was a janitor. And let me just play this clip, and then, and then let me ask a question. I am grateful to an America that gave the daughter of a janitor a chance. I am the daughter of a janitor. My daddy, he ended up as a janitor. So she's the daughter of a janitor. Now, Rich, from what I understand, her brothers had some comments about this. What's Jerry. the latest on this? Yep. Uh, what's the latest on this? Yeah, he's just the one to speak up. But this uh, Elizabeth Warren's now the second Democratic candidate, Democratic presidential candidate, to have a family member essentially, you know, mm-hmm. denounce what they're doing in their campaign. Uh, Kamala Harris was the first one. Her own father denounced her for Rachel, like you know, for identity politics, pretending like because she's Jamaican, she or has you know has Jamaican family. Of course, she used to smoke weed when she was younger, and they hate they they flip that same thing here now. Her brother is uh, at least he's the one speaking out, Don and. I mean, he's, you know, was, uh, he, he, was, he was furious over this. You know, Elizabeth Warren, we're getting into this stretch now where you can't make this, this kind of a mistake. There's still time before Iowa, but she needs Iowa. So if she was to come in behind Biden, for instance, and, you know, so there's maybe Sanders takes it, Buttigieg second, and then uh, Biden, and then Warren, she's finished because she's going to lose that momentum. And I think Sanders is the favorite in New Hampshire. So she needs to place at least ahead of Joe Biden to keep, you know, to keep going. You know, politics a few weeks can be a lifetime, but we're getting now into that stretch before the Iowa caucuses where you never want to peak too early, which is something I think she might have done here, right? And Pete Buttigieg, same thing. Uh, you have Bernie now is kind of, you know, he, he's got a little bit of a lead in New Hampshire, but she has a great ground game in, in Iowa. Uh, you know, we hear the best. But she may have done this now, Don, where it's just one too many lies. Like you said, it started the Native American heritage, then went into the pregnancy, and she was, you know, she was let go because she was pregnant. That never happened. In fact, the school board offered her, and the minutes came out from the meeting where they unanimously voted to offer her a job, um, you know, despite what she, her version of the story. And now we have this, and there's just – among the Democratic electorate, there's this uh, feeling they like Elizabeth Warren. They're more in line with her. Than they are with someone like Joe Biden. The problem is they really want to beat Donald Trump. 
And somebody like Elizabeth Warren is just showing herself to be – she just can't tell the truth, Don. I mean, she just can't. And uh, yeah. you know, that's going to be a problem because they know Trump's going to bludgeon her with that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. You guys got a great article, in it, and so I'm glad to have a chance to have you on here on peoplespunditdaily.com. Let's talk a little bit about this. There's some leaked docs, documents now that have come out, and we're talking about the chemical weapons uh, stuff with Syria. And, and I've always wondered what, what was really going on here with all this stuff. I mean, did it really happen? Was it really the government? Was it uh, What's the reality? It's kind of like when we look at stories where the, they happen in uh, Palestine, and they say, you know, the, the, oh, the Jews did this, and then you find out, hey, maybe maybe there's more to this whole story. Talk a little bit about this. I want people to obviously read the story, but what do we know about the documents that have come out now and it casts some doubt on this entire situation? Right. So for people who don't know, the Organization for the Prohibition of Chemical Weapons, the OPCW, uh, is like the go-to international organization to investigate uh, all things chemical weapons in Syria, and they're against the pro- proliferation of these things, right? So that's the uh, that that's the international organization that people have used since this supposed attack in Douma and uh, going back to April seventh, two thousand eighteen. Now the rebel forces, to give everybody background, accused the Assad regime of dropping of of a chemical uh, attack. But of course, here's the key part, one of the key parts about their findings that's not jiving. Uh, if it was from the air, if these canisters were airdropped then of course it's going to implicate Assad, maybe with Putin's help, because they're the only ones with the capabilities. They're the only ones who have the skies out there, okay, or at least on that side. Of course, we, ha- we do, and we provide uh, air support to the rebels. And, you know, folks, it's just the bottom line with this story is it's looking like that we've been lied to. We pressed the Pentagon, and they've yet to release any kind of evidence. We even asked people off the record, Don, to give us something to show us that at that time, because before the OPCW report came out, the OPCW didn't even go and investigate this and deliver a report before you know, the Hawks convinced Donald Trump to launch tomahawks at these so-called government targets with chemical weapons. In any event, this report was used by Western governments to back up the idea that the Assad regime was in fact responsible for this. They didn't get to exhume or, inve- or, or examine the bodies of the victims. Uh, all told with death, the death hole around 60 or so. That's what was reported. So there, there was a lot of problems with this investigation to begin with. But those canisters are, is where the story began to, to crack a little bit here. Ian Henderson was a member of the team um, you know, that actually went to visit. The, the report that's out now, there was only one person out of the entire team who signed on to the final report. They, when there became objections to the idea that the Assad regime was behind this, <clears throat> excuse me, they essentially wiped the entire team, Don, and got a new group of people to sign on to this. And only one, a paramedic, was one that had actually been there. But Mr. Henderson raised objections to the idea that these canisters were airdropped. And in fact, he stated that they were the most likely scenario is that the, they were placed. And then chlorine gas was supposed to be that's the other big part of this. That was supposed to be the culprit here, and the amount that they found on could be found in household chemicals. And for them to, you know, basically single out chlorine in these trace, you know, levels that they found, it was extremely disingenuous. And I mean, there's so much to the story; people should go and read it because, I mean, there's just and everything's linked. There are documents upon documents, and then at the bottom, check out the timeline of events here. So what we saw was Trump pull away from Syria and tell the CIA to basically stop 
the operation, which, you know, privately there, the, the real U.S. goal is regime change. Publicly, of course, it's just to help the rebel forces. And Trump really caught on to that. He, he ordered the CIA to stop the regime change operation, the covert operation. You know, it had uh, some people like Tulsi Gabbard praise him for it. And then this stuff started to happen, Don. So people really should look at the timeline. I mean, you know, the idea that this is a conspiracy, the paper trail is a mile long now. I mean, the OPCW, beyond uh, doubt at this point that they you know, misled the, uh, the international community on what happened here. This is a huge story, and the big media silence is another scandal. Nobody's talking about this. If you remember CNN, the New York Times, MSNBC, they were all beating the war drum when this happened. And they wanted Donald Trump, uh, you know, to take military action. For uh, Farouk at CNN said, "This is the night Donald Trump became president. Not when the voters actually elected him. That wasn't it. It was when he decided to okay the Tomahawk missiles. You know, so it, it, it at once again, you know, when we're talking about all this stuff domestically with the deep state, Don, when you want to see how capable these people are of lying and misleading and deceiving, actively deceiving, and then getting international groups." To help them push the wool, you know, pull the wool over people's eyes. This is a perfect example. It doesn't get more, um, you know, more deceptive than this. Yep, yep, absolutely. Yeah, and it's it's another example, Rich. I think of where we have to really be careful with what comes out of the media, what they tell us, and and how we react to it. I think is the more important thing. And um, I think right. there was some a little more restraint this time with it. But a great story, and I'm glad you guys broke that. Let's talk about something else because we're talking this year about. We're talking about the reality versus the alternative reality, because I think that's where we're at right now. I, I think when it comes to ideological divide, that's where the real divide. I mean, most American people are living in a good, great economy right now, uh, unemployment, historic lows for many people. And, and But yet, if you listen to the Democrats, it's not. It's a horrible economy, and people are working four or five jobs and barely getting by. And right. it's just two, di- two different uh, realities that we're dealing with here. But I think this is, this is really key, and, and I'll get to my question here in a second, but this is the key part of it. There's two different reasons that the media hate Donald Trump, and it's just at this point, I'm not even going to use any other words. That's the word, hate. They hate the guy. The media hates him because he's doing things. The media knows that he's doing these. They know what he's accomplishing. They know all these things that are taking place. But they can't tell their listeners this, Rich. They have to tell their listeners, oh, he's a do-nothing, he's a criminal, he's a – but the media knows that he's getting things done. And one of those is highlighted in uh, a story you guys had earlier this week. Let's talk about federal judges. This guy, three years in a row now, he has broken records year after year after year since getting elected because he understands the importance of appointing federal judges, what that means uh, down the road. I mean, we ever see every time something passes, you got the Ninth Circuit, usually the one that steps up and blocks it. And so it's a really, really important thing. And I think this infuriates the media, but they can't report it, Rich, because then it looks like he's getting things done. Talk a little bit about what, what President Trump has accomplished in these first year, three years with Mitch McConnell. We've got to give him credit as well. Yeah, just, just for, you know, to, to compare. So Trump has put, all told, he's put 187 judges on the federal bench. That beats out George W. Bush, who put 169, and Bill Clinton, who put on 166 in their first uh, three years. There's one more vacancy at the circuit court level, and that is you – know, we talk about the Supreme Court during election season, and it's important because Trump clobbered Hillary Clinton among people who found that the Supreme Court was their top voting issue. And 
but now I think as we move into this other election, there is the potential that the circuit court and just down ballot judicial uh, appointments, if you want to call them that, um, you know, that they will carry more weight as well. And this is what the media hates. They even have to acknowledge, Don, that this will be this man's legacy. That, and I believe, too, I, you know, 100, 200 years from now, they'll be talking about what Donald Trump did in space. I, I really believe that. Mm-hmm. Um, he's probably the most engaged space president since JFK. Yeah, and, uh, but in any event, that they right now are focusing on this because there are huge cases that will be – there are three courts that he flipped. And there are big cases that will be heard in them. Look at the fifth. We're talking about the Obamacare mandate. They came at it from a new direction, Don, that the Supreme Court had already heard it. This thing is done in the U.S. Court of Appeals. It is unconstitutional. The mandate, which was the conservative goal in 2010 and on, if you remember, they were hoping the Supreme Court would save them. So when we look at how much these appointments can have an impact, that's another one. And then um, in my district, which here is uh, it's Atlanta-based, which here is Florida, Georgia, they're going to hear important cases on voting rights. You also flip that circuit court. All right, so it, it does matter. And many plaintiffs in the country, their final stop is the District Court of Appeals. And Donald Trump has basically overhauled them. Now, the one takeaway and comfort for, for uh, liberals out there is that about two-thirds of the appointments that he made were normal vacancies. And they didn't mm-hmm. dramatically change the balance. But even the fact that one more, more than one out of four uh, federal judges right now on the, on the circuit, the, the appellate courts, have been appointed by Donald Trump. I mean, that's think about that. But more than 25 uh, percent, they, they're Trump appointees. Now, I know a lot of people, you know, they're not Trumpsters, whatever they want to call them, but they're certainly not left wing radical liberals either. And they're not <laughs> activists. I wouldn't say that, you know, so the 11th Circuit has been flipped. Look at what happened with Rick Scott down here against Bill Nelson in the last election. Where do you think they run to? They, that, you know, that, that, if that would have went all the way up the food chain, Don, that's the 11th Circuit's jurisdiction. So these appointments really matter, and the media knows that, and they cannot stand how this guy has done this. And that's why you – look at what we heard last week with the Evangelical uh, magazine. I don't even know it. Uh, Christian Today, I think it's called. Who reads mm-hmm. it, right? But they, they're hammering this guy over these stupid little things. They, and evangelicals don't care about that. What they care about is protecting their faith and their way of life. And that's why, yep. for them, judicial appointments were so important. And he's delivered. There's no way you can yep. say he hasn't. Yeah, absolutely. So I got to close out on this one because this is our last show of the year here. And we've been talking about, again, reality versus an alternative reality, i.e. a narrative. And this was the media narrative when it came to the tax cuts, which it seemed to, I don't know, kind of work out for the American people. But here's what the media had to say. And then I want you to give us reality. With this legislation, we are ushering in a bleak future. The majority of this tax plan, the benefits are going to go to the wealthy. The 2017 tax cuts have been a bust economically. The actual tax cuts for middle-class families were quite small. The big cut was for corporations. Businesses used most of the tax savings to buy back their shares of stock. Rich, what's the reality? You know, this really, I think this story really damaged the reputation of some of these writers at the New York Times and the Greg Sargents at the Washington Post who prefaced their title when the tax cut bill was being debated, analysis, right? So analysis, semicolon, you're going to get, you know, uh, your your taxes are going to go up under this bill. And in reality, 84% of the American people got a tax break. The vast 
majority, less than 5% actually saw a net, net increase in taxes. And we saw CapEx. It did translate into CapEx spending. This year it cooled back a little bit, but we got another story up to talk, talking about the future of GDP going forward in, in this next upcoming year because it didn't slow, Don, because those tax cuts brought back a trillion dollars, by the way, repatriated a trillion dollars. There's more in the economy that there was before, and people who are preaching about that recession, the tax cuts gave a little bit more oomph for consumer spending. We're seeing that we're seeing those numbers really holding up when inventory started to cool a little bit, and the uh, the, the trade deficit started to, to widen a little bit more during these negotiations. The consumer kicked it into high gear and kept the economy solid throughout the year, and because it didn't show those those weakening signs that some of those profits like. Paul Krugman at the New York Times told us about 2020 is looking like a very promising year. So we're headed into this election. Very promising. But again, it just goes to show you they prefaced their their titles, Don, with analysis and told us how bad it was going to be. Less than 5 percent really saw an increase. The, le- the less than 10 percent about were leveled off. But the fact remains that 84 uh, percent actually saw a tax reduction. And as we hammered on PPD before this tax cut passed. Cut the corporate tax rate will increase workers' wages. I know that blows the, the mind of a left-wing economist, mm-hmm. but that's what the data showed, and we had global data to show that. And now, of course, it's bearing fruit. Now, we have wage growth for 16 months at or above 3%, 16 consecutive months. And if you look inside those numbers, it's been, it's been more uh, for non-supervisory workers. So they're actually outpacing their, you know, the, the, higher earning income, uh, the higher income earners in the workforce. It's just it, there's no way to get around it. I think it's going to be a very hard case to make, Don, when they go up to, on those debate stages and they go out and shake hands. And wh- what are they looking for, Donald, those 5% that got an increase? I mean, it's yeah. going to be tough. Yeah. It's going to be a tough case for well, me. There's nothing more that a, that a, that a liberal uh, economist hates more than actually seeing trickle-down economics in action. They hate it because they deny it. They yeah. tell it doesn't exist. So he is the editor of peoplespunditdaily.com. Check him out. Rich, I want to thank you for all your uh, appearances here this year. Looking forward to a great 2020, and I want to wish you and your entire family a very happy and safe new year, and looking forward to talking to you next year. You too, my friend. It's going to be a blessed one. And everybody, have a very safe but happy new year. And I will see you in the next one. Sounds good. All right, Richard Barris, peoplespunditdaily.com. Check him out. We will do a quick commercial break, and we will be back with Judge Janine Pirro. Patriotic Warriors is a grassroots organization built to engage our community. While others talk about preserving our constitutional republic, Patriotic Warriors is taking action to restore the American dream. If you're truly concerned about the future of this great nation, visit PatrioticWarriors.com today. The time is now. PatrioticWarriors.com. That's PatrioticWarriors.com. Have you ever been frustrated when you go to the doctor and are asked to fill out forms over and over again? And you're asked for information that you don't remember, or you have to submit the same form to multiple organizations. And each time you are asked to fill out the same form by hand. What about filling out business or legal forms, all manually? Maybe you've spent a lot of time filling out a form, made sure that everything is correct, and oops, the person who re-entered the data into the computer system made several mistakes. 
Why couldn't you do it from home in advance, where you can find all of the necessary documents? Now you can at Formateer.com. The next time you need a form filled out, the information can be found right at your fingertips. If you're an individual, you may find some forms ready to use on Formateer.com, or we may be able to create a custom form for you at a very low cost or no cost at all. If you're a small business, Formateer.com will be happy to create a set of forms or a complete data entry solution for your business needs. If you're a business that provides software, IT solutions, or both to another business, Formateer.com has a great solution for you as well. Our parent company, RenderX, provides software and solutions to a very diversified group, from individuals to Fortune 500 companies. Even the United States government budget is formatted with RenderX software. With Formateer.com, customers can fill out forms from their homes in advance when and where they have all the required information, or they can edit information that has changed if they filled out the form previously. No writing for them, no data re-entry for you. Form-filling solutions for businesses or individuals at Formateer.com. That's Formateer.com. The TeaPartyCommunity.com website was built to provide an online safe haven social community for all of the tea parties across America to utilize and enjoy. Tea Party Community serves as a hub for sharing ideas, unifying a movement, and organizing strategies to keep America in her rightful place as the greatest nation on earth. Visit TeaPartyCommunity.com today to open your free account. At TeaPartyCommunity.com, we welcome all factions of the Tea Party and conservative movements to join us here and establish their presence. Upgraded and special privileged accounts are available for large conservative groups and nonprofit organizations. Join TeaPartyCommunity.com today and get involved in the process of taking our country back. My mother froze everything. I was 18 years old before I had my first fresh bun. The invention that I came up with is the Hot Dog Easy Bun Steamer. Steam is the key to a great hot dog. I knew it was going to be a success. The invention was so simple that I knew I needed to protect it. My name is Chris Chute, and I got my patent, trademark, and LLC on LegalZoom. We created LegalZoom to help people start their business and launch their dreams. Go to LegalZoom today and make your business dream a reality. At LegalZoom.com, we put the law on your side. I'm Deneen Borelli, author of Blacklash. Hi, I'm Senator Mike Lee. Hi, this is Governor Scott Walker and the Don Smith Show, where it's okay to be a conservative. It is a true honor to have my next guest on the program. She is Judge Janine Pirro. She is the host of the number one program on the weekend on Fox News. Of course, it's Justice with Judge Janine. So great to be here. You've got a, an amazing, you're a New York Times bestseller now. You've got a brand new book out called Radicals, Resistance, and Revenge, The Left's Plot to Remake America. Judge Janine, welcome to the Don Smith Show. Well, it's great to be with you. Thank you for having me on. Well, this is a real honor, and I think your books, I I loved your last book. This is great. But I want to get right into this, because one of the things that jumped right out at me on this new book 
is the word, and this is a very important word, I believe words matter, and that is revenge. Judge, we are looking now at a party that wants revenge against people simply for voting for somebody they didn't want to vote for. Talk a little bit about how important that word was in the title of your new book. Well, look, I mean, first of all, I love alliteration. You can tell by the last book, Liars, Lutras, and Liberals. But, you know, <laughs> the revenge was so easy in this case because what the left is doing is they're having a hissy fit because Hillary Clinton, they couldn't drag that woman across the presidential finish line. So what they're doing is they are full of resistance for uh, not getting her into the White House. And in the end, that resistance is the resistance of the American people and the decision they made to put Donald Trump in the Oval Office and the resistance not only against one man and the American people who put him there, but it's against all of the institutions that make America great. For example, uh, the First Amendment. They are at this point trying to shut down anyone on the right, any conservative. You're not allowed to speak. If you say anything that's right-oriented, then, you know, you are politically incorrect and you have to suffer punishment for that. And, you know, they take you off of Twitter. They take you off of Facebook. Uh, you're banished if you say something on the right. If you, you can't speak at universities without them, you know, having a, a riot at these places. And then Antifa comes in and, they, and then they beat the hell out of you. And these are cowards, these Antifa members, which should be a, a, a domestic terrorist organization. And the police are then ordered to stand down so that they can then beat you up. I mean, this is uh, the kind of America that, uh, that, that we didn't have and our, certainly our founding fathers didn't have in mind when they created this country. So I wrote the book with a lot of footnotes and facts supporting all of my arguments to let people know what is happening in the United States today, because it's lunacy. It is, yeah. And I want to talk about this a little bit more, because I think I, this is a key thing, and this is why I think that word was so important in your title. We've got, we ha I remember back when it was uh, President Trump, uh, then candidate Trump, wasn't going to be able to accept the results of the election. I mean, I think everybody remembers <laughs> this. And, and, he, and he was mocked for this judge. But look what's going yep. on here, because I think that's really what this comes down to, is the inability to just accept that they lost an election. Well, it is an inability. It's a hissy fit that they've been having for years. And, you know, the hatred and the venom coming from the left is unlike anything I've ever seen in my lifetime. And, you know, I've been around a while, and, you know, I've spent 30 years in the criminal justice system as a prosecutor, judge, and DA. I mean, I pretty much, uh, and I've run for office, by the way, five times, so I kind of have a sense of what's going on. But at the same time, I've never seen anything like this, where the First Amendment is, is, is disrespected, where someone like a, a Deborah Messing from Hollywood, an, an actress, actor, you're supposed to call them, you know, who does nothing but repeat other words, other people's words for a living. Uh, she decides that she wants to out everybody who was a Trump supporter so that the directors and producers know not to hire them because they don't want to work with them. If that isn't ranked McCarthyism, I don't know what is. And it's time for Americans to recognize that the, the effort by the left and the Democrats in this clown car who are running for president, they want to change capitalism to socialism. They want to make sure that uh, in this country we provide for illegals. That's part of our mission. When we're just trying to get through the day and take care of our families, and some of us work two jobs, some of us work even more than two jobs to try to make ends meet, and they want to give 
at the illegals' education, medication, housing. And think about it, 144,000 illegals came across the border in one month in October. That's bigger than a lot of cities in the United States. And they want you to pay for everything. And if you, if you think about it, they're bringing illegals in. And in the end, a lot of them are getting licenses. What's the point of a license? It's a point of identification that will give you the ability to vote. So it's all about power. It's all about the left trying to make sure that they get They can impose their own system of socialism, uh, and which is amazing that we're even talking about it because when, when uh, Bernie like he was crazy, now the left is like, yeah, socialism ain't so bad. Except that Venezuela is a perfect example, which which Bernie Sanders himself touted a few years back on a Senate website, where women are giving birth. Say that they're eating zoo animals. This is awful stuff. Yeah, it really is. And I want to get into this a little bit because this is a part of this revenge as well. And it's one thing, uh, judge for the average person, to uh, to have this anger about the election results. We've got Hollywood doing it now. But let's get into this a little bit more because we've got our government agencies who were, were also in on this. And this seems to be, if I mean, I go back to James Comey. You look at the Mueller hold. The fiasco. Talk about a clown car. I mean, there, there you go. But this whole thing's going yeah. on, and we've got a, we've got intelligence agencies who are participating in this. How concerned are you about it? Because I know it concerns the heck out of me. Well, it, it should concern you. And you know, I, I've spent 30 years uh, as a prosecutor, judge, and DA, as I said, and, and I've run for office five times. When you use uh, the powers of the most uh, uh, important law enforcement agency in the nation to corrupt a presidential election, to frame a candidate for president. Uh, and if there is no consequence, then we are in bad shape in this country. And that's why there's got to be consequence. And I know Jim Comey. I worked with him when I was a sitting DA. Uh, I was uh, in the office right next to him, uh, when, or the building right next to him when I was prosecuting and he was prosecuting. So he's a smart guy. He gets what's going on. He understands the criminal justice system, and he defrauded it. He used it in a way to change the, 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 the American people's uh, decision regarding the, the election of a president. And that needs to have consequences. And unfortunately, we're not seeing any yet. But I have faith in Bill Barr. At the point when he looked at the FISA court and the, the fraud that was committed by Jim Comey and his band of criminals, Peter Strzok and McCabe and the whole lot of them, and I write about this in the book, uh, then what we've got is, uh, you know, we've, we've got print for someone else to do it next time. We can't afford to have that. We just can't. Yeah, absolutely. So let me get into this, because this is something you also address, and I think this is so important, and we're talking about voter enthusiasm. I, I think last time, when we, when we go back to 2016, and we look at President Trump or whoever it would have been running against Hillary Clinton, I think there was kind of a built-in uh, enthusiasm factor on the right, just because it was Hillary Clinton. We look at what's going on uh, with the candidates right now. Of course, we don't know who it's going to be um, running against, whether it's Joe Biden or whoever it ends up being running against President Trump. 
how important or, or are you a little worried that maybe we on the right here, be, uh, conservatives, are maybe going to be a little complacent this time and think, oh, geez, none of these people, they're a little too crazy. None of these people could beat President Trump. How concerned are you about voter enthusiasm? Because you, you address that. Well, yeah, and and that is a very important point. Uh, You know, Hillary Clinton was a lightning rod all on her own. Uh, When she's a woman who decides that uh, uh, she wants wants to run for president, and then, you know, the people on the right go ballistic because they know that, you know, she's running uh, basically a 501c3 charity that is nothing more than an organized criminal enterprise collecting money as a pay-for-play. So what is the enthusiasm factor going to be in 2020? You know, when you look at the Democrats who are running, and I talk about this in a chapter, uh, you know, you've got Joe Biden who doesn't know where he is uh, at at any given moment, physically or mentally, what state he's in. Uh, And then you've got Bernie Sanders, the guy who touted Venezuela as the socialist uh, haven. Uh, Then, you know, you say to yourself, you know, people get that these people are crazy and maybe they won't go out and vote. And that's one of the reasons why I wrote Radicals, Resistance and Revenge. I want people to understand what is at stake here. The First Amendment, free speech, the Second Amendment, the right to carry a gun, uh, the presumption of innocence in the Constitution and, and in our Bill of Rights. I mean, you know, Brett Kavanaugh was the closest thing to an altar boy. And, you know, they decide he's not entitled to the presumption of innocence, but instead he's a gang rapist. And when a United States senator says all women need to be believed and men just need to shut up, you have to say to yourself, you know what? They are turning our democracy on its head, and we can't just sit by and let it happen. McCarthyism cannot come back to this country where people lose their jobs, their reputations, and where everything is is ruined because you believe in one thing or another. And then you've got, you know, Bill Maher, who says, I hope there's a recession so Donald Trump fails. Well, there are people in middle America and all over America who need their jobs. They need their jobs to take care of their families and to be able to survive. And as more and more pressure is put on people, you know, to pay for the illegals who are coming through the border and to take care of them, I mean, you know, the American dream is becoming harder and harder to attain for law-abiding Americans. And, and I'm very worried about it, and that's why I wrote, you know, Radicals and Resistance and Revenge. Well, let me, let me, I got to ask you this. The left's plot to remake America, I think that is so true, and I think that is also a very important thing to have in your title here. Let's talk about the media's role in this, Judge, because we're both in this business, and, and we understand the media. We understand that they're not stupid. They understand, you, you, you talked about uh, James Comey. He's not a stupid man. He gets what's going on yeah. here. So, does, so doesn't the media. They talk about how we're, the division and all these things. The judge, I have to ask each one of them when they say something like that to me, look how divided we are. We're in the heck were these people for the previous eight years but talk about the media's role in this plot to to remake america well i, I mean the, the the media the mainstream media is nothing more than a than a wing of the uh, democrat party um you know mm-hmm. when we heard about this russia collusion delusion for two years it was non-stop the democrats were bumping into each other trying to get in front of the camera uh to talk about how donald trump was a putin puppet or a russian asset And now you look at these Democrats who are running for president, nobody even mentions Russia collusion. Nobody even talks about it because they know it was fake news. They know that it wasn't worth the, you know, the the, the, the paper that this stuff was printed on. 
but yet they promoted it. And that leads me to say, do these people believe in the truth? Do they believe in law and order? Do they believe in truth and justice? And, you know, I come away with a, a different answer than people on the left, obviously, because I am, I am you know, uh, my training as a prosecutor is show me the evidence. Tell me where you get this from. And then when you got Bob Mueller who testifies before Congress, and I mean, this guy didn't even know what Fusion GPS was, which was, you know, the agency that money was laundered through, uh, Hillary Clinton's money, that is, um, you know, so that they could get this dossier to track Donald Trump and destroy him and to defraud a FISA court so they could then say to the, to the court, look, uh, we, need to, we need to spy on the campaign of Donald Trump. I mean, it's all hogwash, and Americans yep. need to understand that. Now, the next question is whether or not Jim Comey will be prosecuted. My concern is uh, that although he wasn't prosecuted for lying and leaking, which was the name of my last book, by the way, uh, I believe that the Attorney General Bill Barr is like a slow locomotive. He's going to get there. He's going to get to the FISA. He's going to make sure that Jim Comey is accountable going forward for the fraud that they perpetrated on the FISA court. And if that doesn't happen, I'll be marching in the streets myself. Well, I will be right next to you, and I, this is a must-read book. It is Radicals, Resistance, and Revenge, The Left's Plot to Remake America. Judge Janine, where can my listeners go? Because you've got a lot of fans listening right now. Where can my listeners go to get this book? Well, you can go to Amazon, and, and it's right on Amazon, and you can go to any bookstore and pick it up. Um, and in the back, I've got 30 pages of footnotes. So if you're fighting with a liberal and they tell you you're, you're out of your mind, <laughs> just go back to the footnotes. All the facts are in there. And I appreciate it. And let me just say I'm very grateful to live in the greatest country on earth, and I'm grateful to be able to say what I think. And I think Americans need to understand that that is a very precious right. And going forward, I'm not so sure that we're going to have it because political correctness is the enemy of our free speech. Absolutely. I could not have said that better. And God bless you. God bless America. And I am so glad that you're on our side, Judge Janine. Thank you so much for your time today. Best of luck with this book. Everybody check out, if you're not already, Justice with Judge Janine every Saturday at 9 p.m. Judge, thank you so much for your time. Oh, thank you. And thank you to your listeners. You take care. All right. So that was my interview this year with Judge Janine Pirro, uh, always a great interview, and just so, so much energy and passion behind what she does. That's, I think, one of the things that resonates uh, with all those who follow her and, and watch her program every Saturday night. So Judge Janine Pirro, great stuff, great book. And again, I'll go back to the beginning of that interview. It's about revenge, because that's what it's all about for these people. It's, they don't care how much they hurt people. They don't care if, if damage is done to society, to American working people, to the very people that they claim on a daily basis to support the most, the most vulnerable in our society. If those people were no longer vulnerable, there would be no Democratic Party. That's the bottom line. So they don't want these problems solved. Uh, they say they do. They say they want the immigration to slow down and they want the borders. No, they don't. They don't want any of those things because a vulnerable voter is a Democratic voter. And that's really what it comes down to. And they don't want to lose that base. Uh, case in point, we all remember back in 2016, the Hillary Clinton thing, where she literally told people, literally told people that they were going to lose their cold jobs, right? Well, they're back on this whole thing again. Again, at the beginning of the show, I said, 
They've learned nothing. You want an example? Here you go. This is proof positive. As president, would you be willing to sacrifice some of that growth, even knowing potentially that it could displace thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of blue-collar workers in the interest of transitioning to that greener economy? The answer is yes. The answer is yes, an enthusiastic yes. Of course I would be perfectly happy putting these people out of work, you know, for the good of the environment and all, right? Hillary Clinton did the same thing, and yeah, it didn't really work out so well. I remember it wasn't just Hillary, it's not just Joe Biden. Go back to Barack Obama, to then-candidate Barack Obama. There's a question I wish I had the clip right now to play for you, but I think you remember might remember this. So he was asked, this is on the debate stage, he was asked, just like that was, he was asked the question, because his big thing was he wanted to raise taxes, right? So the opposite of what Trump did with his tax cuts, he wanted to raise them, and he especially because he wanted revenge against rich people. These are all rich people. Barack Obama is massively wealthy at this point, multi, multi, multi-millionaire, but he still hates rich people. He's always hated rich people. Elizabeth Warren Bernie Sanders, multimillionaires, will always hate rich people, or at least they'll always say they do. So in this debate, so Barack Obama's asked then-candidate Obama, this is actually before he even took, took hold and, and started overcoming Hillary Clinton. He was asked the question about capital gains taxes, because this was a big thing for him. He wanted to raise capital gains taxes so um, that those people had to pay more taxes, and they were the people like Warren Buffett. It was a great example. And he was asked the question, but won't this hurt people? Because, of course, 401ks, um, the average American, right, the, the middle class America, the ones that they're so concerned now about, they're being decimated, right? They're so worried about this. So the question was, if you raise these, it's going to hurt the average person because they're invested in 401ks. They have all these you know, funds that they're invested in in that, in that matter. And he said it doesn't matter. Basically, I'll give you the short version of it. He said the ends justifies the means. If I can get revenge on this small group of people, if it hurts this huge group of people, the entire middle class, I really don't care. Because as long as I can get back at these people, these are the ones who tell you that they're, they're for the middle class, for the working class. This is why they lost in 2016. Because people don't believe it anymore. When you hear questions like this asked over and over and over again, whether it's about uh, coal mining jobs, whether it's about people's 401ks, it, it doesn't matter. It, we're, we're doing this green new, the green new Deal, right? The Green New Energy Deal, right? Who's that going to hurt the most? That's right, from the middle class down. In fact, it's going to hurt mostly the poor people. Who, will know, who won't be able to afford the energy costs? So they, you know, kind of a cold day. Well, I really can't turn the thermostat up because I can't afford it. Or a really hot day. I can't really use the air conditioning because I really can't afford it. This is what happened in 2016. Middle America, Wisconsin, Michigan, Minnesota even. Minnesota was close. But these people, middle American people, are going, yeah, this really isn't working out for me. So, again, we go back to the alternative reality versus actual reality. Actual reality, it's working out pretty good for them now, right? They can afford to, to turn the thermostat up or down, whatever they need to do. They can afford to have a little extra spending here and there. So it's working out for them. So how are these people, somebody like Joe Biden, how, how do you think, how does he think, that he's going to win these states when he's 
literally telling them, we need a new green economy. That way, you know, you'll lose your job, but you'll be all right because we're going to come up with these great new green energy jobs. A, a couple of weeks ago, we played that clip. I think it was Daryl Issa, I think, was sitting in front, and there was this Obama administration where they had talked about how they had created all these millions and millions of green new jobs. They didn't. They just changed the definition. So remember, if you were a bus driver, yeah, that's a green energy job. If if you're if you put gas into a bus, yep, yep, you're green energy. If you sell antiques, well, yep, absolutely. They created nothing. So they're even telling us. Elizabeth Warren, her Medicare for All, she said, they said, well, 2 million people are going to lose their jobs in the health insurance industry. She goes, yeah, that's okay. They can just go work in the car insurance industry because apparently she thinks there's 2 million openings in auto insurance. And apparently she thinks they're like the same thing, right? It's a car and a human being are pretty much the same thing. So uh, they don't care about them. Obama, in that that particular situation, he was pressed, and they were like, well, yeah, but you understand that 401ks are going to be devastated. It didn't matter. The ends justifies the means. As long as I can get back at this small group of super rich people, screw everybody else. Eh, It's their problem, right? Now, yeah, again, Obama, what, I don't know, $100 million he's worth now, whatever it is. Good for him, capitalist, you know, all, all that stuff. My problem has always been this. If you're a millionaire, multimillionaire, if you're a multimillionaire socialist who owns three homes, you probably shouldn't hate rich people because that's kind of like hypocrisy, right? Again, I have no problem with people being millionaires. I have no problem with Bernie Sanders owning three homes. It's that it doesn't add up. It's at the end of the day when you take it, you say, how does this make sense to you? You hate rich people, but you're worth multi-millions of dollars. Just seems a little bizarre and a little bit crazy. And I always wonder, how do, how do people fall into this? How, how do you justify this in your own minds? And I've had many conversations with Bernie's supporters, and what they always say is the same thing. But he, sell, he sold a book. See, I don't care how you became a multi-millionaire. It doesn't matter if you're a banker. If you're, it, it doesn't matter. An investment person if you write books, if you make movies, if you sell albums, it doesn't matter if you play football, basketball, who cares, right? It's the, it's the line that was in the last Democratic debate where Pete Buttahead said, you got to quit passing these purity tests that you yourself cannot pass. Now, he does it as well. It's a liberalism thing, but he was absolutely correct. He was absolutely correct. So, uh, yeah, this this whole thing is just insane. It's going to get more insane. We're really getting into the heart of this now. We're getting to the point where they need people to get out, right? Because there's only so much space, especially the Trump effect, where he eats up all that media time. So people aren't really talking about the Elizabeth Warrens and the uh, Joe Bidens and these kind of people, and they're the front runners. So somehow they're going to have to figure out how to take care of that. They're going to have to sit down with their buddies in the media and figure out exactly how they're going to deal with it. But here is the clip of the week. I'm going to play this. This is going to be probably the third time I've played this clip because this is it. This guy, except for the last three, four words that he says here, this guy gets it. The problem is is that he will, if the vote were today, I believe he wouldn't win the electoral states that he would need. Because living out there, I will tell you, his level of support has not gone down one inch. In fact, I'd say it's even more rabid 
uh, than yep. it was before because they're afraid now. They're afraid he could lose. Not because we're afraid he's going to lose, because we're tired of seeing the president, the man that we sent to Washington to lead this nation. We're sick and tired of hearing what a deplorable he is. We're all so far over the deplorable things, it's not even funny. And we're more importantly than that, we're sick and tired of hearing that we're also deplorable just because we support him, right? Now, if you're looking for something good to read after the show, I recommend the Fox News story about Governor Ralph Northam, who now it appears the Washington uh, Post is saying, yeah, you know what, this guy's great, and we really support him now, so we really don't want him to leave office, but what an incredible story that was this year. You wear blackface, and then you become a hero in the civil rights movement. Folks, that right there is liberalism. I want to wish everybody a very safe Happy New Year. I appreciate you all listening this year, and uh, certainly come back next year. We'll have a lot of great guests as usual, and there will be no shortage of news. That's just the way it is. This is uh, These are interesting times indeed to be living through politically to watch what's taking place. So again, safe, happy New Year to everyone. Have a great weekend. We'll see you back here next Saturday at noon Eastern time. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.